You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We finished up last Wednesday uh, a series on the book of Jeremiah, and we were in that series for a long time. We took a few breaks. Uh, in a few, I don't know if it's going to be a few weeks, it might be a month or two, I'm kind of thinking April. I might start it sooner. Maybe it'll be in March. But I want to get into a series on the book of Revelation. And I want to take our time. And I want us to go through and see uh, prophecy and, and, and what, uh, what we know is going to happen based upon the Word of God. And by the way, there's a lot that God has already spelled it out. He'll, he tells us exactly what's going to happen. Uh, can I tell you one thing you don't have to worry about? If you're a child of God. Obviously, you don't have to worry about going to hell because you've been saved, you've been, you've been delivered, you've been rescued from the wrath of God. But if you're a child of God, you don't have to worry about going through the tribulation either. And there's some people out there, there's some, I'll use a, a, a kind term, there are some, um, I was gonna, the terms I want to use are not kind, so I'll think of a kind term here. Uh, there are some uh, deceived folks out there that they're, they're telling you, oh, hey, if you're a Christian, you better hang on because you're going through the tribulation. I got news for you. You're not going through the tribulation. If you're saved, if you're saved, when that trumpet sounds, you and I, we're out of here. And uh, we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm glad that I'm not worried about the tribulation. A lot of people are worried about the Antichrist. To be honest with you, I'm not worried about the Antichrist because I'm not going to be here. Now I'm worried for, for my loved ones and I'm worried for, for, for friends and I'm worried for, for family members. I'm worried for neighbors that do not know the Lord. But I want to tell you this, I'm not worried the least about the Antichrist. You say, what if it's so-and-so? Well, I don't know about all that, but he's not going to be revealed till after the rapture. He's not going to be in power till after the rapture. So we're going to be okay. Say, here's a good one. What about the mark of the beast? What are we going to do? Nothing. You don't have to do anything. If you're saved, you're not going to be here for it. And by the way, if you're not saved, you got other problems. You got bigger problems than the mark of the beast to worry about. You need to get saved. You need to get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so we'll talk about some of those things. We'll talk about the judgment seat of Christ, the great white throne. We'll talk about the millennial reign of Christ. We'll talk about uh, the new heaven, the new earth, and, and it's going to be good. I promise you, we'll talk a lot about heaven, and uh, we'll get into that series. But in the meantime, I don't know how long this will last, but I am very burdened this, this uh, year to talk about the church. You see, that's our theme for the year, and I've got you in Matthew 16, and I preached on this the first Sunday morning of the, of the year, and uh, I knew I wanted to get to the church and talk about the church, but I want you to look at Matthew 16 and verse number 13. The Bible says when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? They said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon the son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Verse 18, And I say also unto thee, this is Jesus speaking to Peter, he says, Thou art Peter. Remember we talked about that? Uh, that's the, the, the word, the name for Peter, meaning a little rock, little pebble. He said, thou art Peter. And by the way, God used Peter. And, and Peter, well, one of the disciples, he was one of the uh, apostles. He, uh, we have the books of, of 1st and 2nd Peter, and, and God used Peter in a mighty way. He preached Pentecost. But he said, Peter, you are a little rock. He said, but upon this rock, Jesus said, speaking of himself. That word, rock, we're talking about a cornerstone. We're talking about a, a huge, giant, mammoth stone with strength and stability. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us and help us to uh, learn some things from this study. I pray we'd be reminded of some things that we already know. Uh, but I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you would speak to us. And may we have a better understanding. And may we have a better realization of what the church is and what is our responsibility to you and what is our responsibility to the church and, and, and how can the church be all that you would have it to be. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us and do a mighty work in uh, this night and in the, the Wednesday nights to come as we uh, look at this series about the church. I pray you'd help us. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that Jesus would build his church. It's his church. It belongs to him. We talked about that a few weeks ago uh, on the first Sunday of the new year. We're approaching, in just a few days, we are approaching I Love My Church Sunday. Now, we've had this Sunday, we, we've recognized this Sunday every year since I came. I, don't, I think before that, I think the church, I think you had something like that even before. It's not a new idea, but I think it's a, appropriate because Jesus said in Ephesians, uh, 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 God wrote to us in Ephesians 5 through the Apostle Paul and said that we should love our wives, husbands, as Christ also loved what? The church and gave himself for it. We ought to love our church. Now, you're here tonight and you say, well, I don't love my church. Well, as kindly as I know how to say this, you either need to get right with the Lord or you need to find a church you can love. Because by the way, the church is not perfect. Now, the church was founded on a perfect person, Jesus, but the church is the people. The church is a called-out assembly of believers, and we are not perfect. It'd be a great place to say amen there. It's one of the easiest ones I'm going to pitch you the whole night. It was underhand, it was slow, and right over the plate. None of us are perfect. We're not perfect. And the church is made up of a bunch of sinners. A bunch of people that are not perfect. But you say, well, why should we love the church? Because the church is not perfect. Well, I believe Jesus, when he died on the cross and gave himself for the church, I think Jesus already knew we weren't going to be perfect. 
How many of you think Jesus already knew that we were not going to be perfect? Yeah, I think he knew that. I know he knew that. But yet Jesus died for a church of people that would not be perfect, church of people that would be a bunch of sinners. And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. You see, the church is a group of people that have been called out of the world, that have been saved by the grace of God, and we assemble as believers. We've been called out of the world, and the church is God's plan. Now, uh, in this series, I want to explain to you, and I want to try to help us understand uh, how important the church is. The church is not a social club. The church is not just an assembly of a bunch of random people that share a bunch of random ideas and, and you know, we have some fellowship and we, we, we slap each other high five and, you know, we try to give a little motivation. That's not what the church is. The church is God's idea. It is God's plan. When Jesus was on this earth, he established the church and he said the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. I think you ought to find a church that you can love. And by the way, I hope you love this church. I hope that you have thrown yourself into this church. I said on the radio today, Brother Caleb and I are, we do the winning side every day at lunchtime. And I said this today, I said this, um, what did I say? I was trying to remember what I said. And I got talking about the winning side. Um, I said this, I said, people will say, I wish the church would do something. You ever heard that? You ever heard somebody say, well, why doesn't the church do that? And here was what I said on the radio. I said, well, be careful what you say because you're the church. We are the church. And so many times we want somebody to do something for us, but hang on, look in the mirror. You're the church. I'm the church. We are the church. And maybe rather than just waiting for the church to do something for us, maybe we ought to say, I'm going to get out and do something for somebody else. Say, well, I can't believe that I haven't gotten a phone call. Well, guess what? Those phone lines go both ways last time I checked. Why don't you get on the phone and call somebody and say, I haven't seen you in a while and just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Hey, I just want to make sure you're doing okay. Just want to let you know what a blessing you are. But the church is so important. The church is made up of people. The church is not the building. The church is not just the corporation. The church is the people that God has called out of the world and that has assembled together for the purpose of fulfilling the Great Commission. Let me give you a few thoughts about the church, and we'll probably won't get very far tonight, but that's okay. Number one, I want to say that the church has a master. The church has a boss. The church has somebody who calls every single shot of every single thing that takes place in the church. And we just read about it in Matthew 16, 18. This church belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the master of the church. It is his church. He's the one that started it. He's the one that keeps it going. He's the one that builds it. He's the one that provides for it. He's the one that keeps it all together. It is his church. We have a master. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation. Let's look at Revelation. I know I told you 
we weren't going to start that series for a while, but I want you to see Revelation and uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, just a couple verses real quick. Revelation 1, verse number 10, John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And that's a good place to be on the Lord's day, to be in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. And John said, I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And that voice said, verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega. You want to guess who's talking there? Jesus. He says, I am Alpha, meaning I am the beginning. Uh, I am Omega. I am the ending. I am the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in the book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. And in Revelation 2 and 3, we see the letters to those seven churches. Uh, the church at Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. Verse 12, John said, I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now those candlesticks represent the seven churches. He said, I saw those churches. And then he says in verse 13, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. You know what? who John saw in the middle of all those churches? He saw Jesus. You know why Jesus was in the middle of the churches? Because they're His churches. You know why Jesus was in the middle of the churches? Because Jesus cares about what goes on in the church. I got news for you. Jesus cares about what's going on at Victory Baptist Church. I'm going to preach about it Sunday about uh, how I think we need to get back to some things in our churches. But can I tell you, Jesus cares about the church so much so that he's right in the middle of it. He's not, he's not administrating uh, uh, from way up in heaven, just kind of glancing down once in a while. Jesus is walking in the midst of the churches because he cares, because he loves the church, because he gave himself for the church, because he gave his life and invested all that he had in the church. Can I tell you, the church is important. Verse number 13 uh, verse 14, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. It's interesting, in verse number, um, 12, verse number 10, his voice was like a trumpet. Boy, that's powerful. But then down here in verse number 15, his voice is as the sound of many waters. When I, when I read that verse, I always think about when you go to the ocean and you hear those waves just crashing in, that's powerful. And I tell you, the voice of God is powerful. And John said, I heard Jesus. I heard his voice. Notice with me, if you would, Revelation chapter 2 and verse number, now I'll go up to chapter 1, verse 17. John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Aren't you glad that Jesus is the first and the last? Aren't you glad that he's alive? Aren't you glad that he is powerful? He's got the keys of hell and of death. How come? Because he conquered them. Because he rose from the dead. Verse number 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars 
are the angels of the seven churches or the messengers or the, the preachers of the churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now notice chapter two, verse one. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Verse two, I know thy works. That's sobering. You know what Jesus is doing as he's walking through the church? You know what Jesus is doing as he's walking among the people of the church? He's examining his church. He is concerned that his church is doing what he commanded his church to do. He's the master. Now, I understand we live in a society where if your boss tells you to do something you don't like, you go to HR, you go to the, the higher up, you go to this person, you go to that person, and, and you know, you, you talk to your co-works, I don't think that's fair, and by the way, you know, I got it right here in writing, blah, 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 whatever. And, and I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying that's a different mentality than thinking about Jesus being the master of the church. Did you know when it comes to Jesus being the head of the church, there's no debate. There's no argument. There's no discussion. You say, well, pastor, I really don't think that what Jesus said in the Bible, I really think that's the way the church ought to be. I think it should be like this. Think whatever you want. But you're wrong. And Jesus is right. And if I say something that is contrary to the word of God, I'm wrong and the Bible is right. You see, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. There's nobody higher. There's nobody with more power. There's nobody with more authority. And someday at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At the great white throne judgment, where those unsaved people will stand before the Lord and the books will be open, there will be no mistakes. There will be no errors. There will be no disagreements. There will be no discussion. There will be no debate. There's not going to be anybody that says, um, um, excuse me, Lord, but you got that one wrong. Oh, no. It's final. He is the master. He is the head. He is the founder. He is the owner. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, turn back there with me if you would, Ephesians 5, where we're talking about the church, and tonight especially, I hope we're thinking about what the church is and what the church means and, and, and how blessed we are to be a part of a church. Ephesians 5, 23, the Bible says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head. That word head means he is the chief. He is the principal person. He is the leader. He is the commander. He has the one who has first rank and first place. Notice chapter 5 and verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ. Can I tell you, as a church, we need to be in subjection. We need to be in submission to exactly 
what Jesus wants us to be. Now, let's be honest. Let's be transparent. You know, sometimes we come to church and we're really not interested in changing anything. We just kind of get set in our ways sometimes, don't we? That's just the way I am. It's just my personality. I'm just, that's just me. You know, you do you and I'll do me. I want to tell you, that's not subjection to Jesus Christ. You see, I believe that if there is anything in our lives that God puts His finger on, that the Holy Spirit points out, I just believe we ought to change it. I just believe that we ought to say yes to the Lord and let Him be Lord of our life and not just use that term loosely like, oh yeah, I'll do whatever God wants me to do as long as it's not this, 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 and this. He is the master. He is the head. We are to be subject to Him. Notice what Jesus wants from His church, verse number 26. The Bible says that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Did you know that Jesus wants a church that is clean? He wants a church that is holy. He wants a church that is set apart. Can I tell you how embarrassing would it be if on Sunday we have I Love My Church Sunday and we invite a bunch of people to come and everybody comes in and there's trash everywhere. Can you imagine if there's, there, there, there's graffiti on the walls and, 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 and uh, uh, all the lights are burned out and, and uh, the hymn books are thrown everywhere. And we'd say, wait a minute, this is not presentable. This is not the way the church ought to be because that's what we see. But can I tell you what Jesus sees when he comes to the church? He's not looking at the hymn books. He's not looking at the carpet. He's looking at you. And he's looking at me. And he sees past uh, how we're dressed on the outside. And he sees straight into our heart. And he searches the thoughts and the intents. And he knows our motives. And he knows why we do what we do. And Jesus desires for a church that will be clean and a church that will be sanctified and a church that will be washed in the water of the Word of God. The Bible says in verse number 27, here's why He wants that. Because the church is the bride. The church is the bride of Christ and He wants to present it to Himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it, that it should be holy and without blemish. That word blemish means a reproach or a disgrace or something that impairs the reputation. So, well, Pastor, you already said the church isn't going to be perfect, so we might as well not even try. And we're not going to be perfect, so who really cares? We'll just, you know, just not even worry about it. Oh, no, that's not, that's not right either. Because in the book of 1 Peter, God commands us to be holy. You say, well, I thought we weren't going to be perfect. No, you're absolutely right. But we ought to seek every day to be as close to God and as close to holiness and as close to godliness 
and as close to purity as we possibly can be. So, Pastor, I, when I come to church, I'm clean. I take a shower. I brush my teeth. I, 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 I iron my clothes. I try to make sure my tie's straight. Uh, I spend time on, on my hair. I, I know, me too. A lot of time, let me tell you. Amen, Brother Chuck. I see that hand. We know. Folks, you don't, Brother Buddy, Hogger, we don't get this good looking just, you know, in a flash. It takes time for this. I understand. But can I tell you, that's not what God's looking at. Wouldn't it be great if we'd spend some time preparing our heart? Wouldn't it be great on Sunday if when we come to church and, and Jesus is walking through the church, he sees us. Wouldn't it be great if he sees a church that he's pleased with? A church that has made him the master. A church that has put him at first place. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.